Amen. So we're in Matthew chapter number five. We're going to be beginning in verse number 13 tonight. And what you'll notice in verse number 13 is that there is a slight transition out of the Beatitudes and into this uh, great um, explanation of everything that the Lord goes into. One of the things that we want to notice, though, as we leave the Beatitudes, um, as uh, John Wesley once noted about the fruit of the Spirit, what the Lord says first, everything else is built on. So whenever you look at the fruit of the Spirit, the first one is love. All the other fruit of the spirits come out of or born out of love. And so once you get into and you see the magnitude of the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to know that the Beatitudes, or in other words, how to be blessed in Jesus, those Beatitudes on that foundation builds the rest of the, of the whole book, of, of everything. So whenever you're talking about God's blessing on someone's life and you're looking through this Sermon on the Mount, it's all born or founded off of these Beatitudes. Amen? So nobody's going to find that, you know, that meekness, that peace. Nobody's going to find those things about God unless they first get right in those Beatitudes. Amen? Um, so they're very foundational. So, I, and the reason that I'm saying that is because there's a transition. The transition is now that you've got this foundation, I want you to know something. And, and it doesn't apply to those that don't grab it. It's kind of like, you know, you can have two different people in a church. One of them, they both might be members of the church, but one of them might be burning for God and one might be asleep for God. You know what I'm saying? And so they both, even though they're both members of a church, even though they both name the right name, they both have different foundations. They both, the light coming out of them is different. Amen? So let's, let's go ahead and pick it up in verse number 13. And like I said, we're going we're gonna to attempt to go down to verse number 16 tonight. So Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on an hill cannot be hid. Now, let's pause right there and, and go back into verse number 13 and look what the Lord is telling uh, the people that are hearing him. These are the people that are living this blessed life. Again, always remember, God's blessing is not carnal. When you're looking at the blessing of God, it is not carnal means or carnal things. God blesses a, a, a child in Africa as much as he does a child in America. So don't let the prosperity preachers lie to you. So one of the things I want you to see is that this foundation, when he says you are the salt of the earth, it's born off of you've got God's blessing on your life because you're right with God. When you're right with God, you've got God's blessing on your life no matter what your carnal status in life is. It doesn't matter if you have a job or not, you can be blessed. It doesn't matter if you have a family or not, you can be blessed. It doesn't matter if you have whatever, because the carnal things do not equal God's blessing. Are you with me? Now watch this. He says, 
You are the salt of the earth. What is salt? Salt is seasoning. That's a good one. Salt is seasoning. It's a preservative. It, salt preserves. It keeps things from going bad, doesn't it? And so the Lord is saying, you are a preservative to the world. It does. It does. It melts coldness. Whenever you have ice on the road, what do they put out? Right? And you know what? If you are a salty Christian, come on now. If you're a salty Christian, people with cold hearts will be melted. If you're living the right life, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, if you're filled with the Spirit and you're operating, look, and don't be, don't, don't be deceived. God said, if we live in the Spirit, let us also what? Walk in the Spirit. That means operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. So don't be a dormant Christian. Don't be a doormat Christian. Don't be a dormant Christian. Walk in that spirit that you have. That means allow the spirit of God to live through you, to operate, to direct your steps, to direct the way that you go and the things that you do, the way that you structure your day, the way that you order your time, how you live your life. It all, it all means something to God. And if you want God's anointing on your life, you will submit those ways, right, to God. Isn't that wisdom? Submitting your ways to God. Now watch this. You're the salt of the earth. You, you melt those cold things around you. You preserve the corruption around you. What else do you do? You heal wounds. In other words, you, you, you bring things. You take that blunt hurt out of the world. Didn't God tell us in the epic uh, chapter of the Bible, that's 1 Corinthians 15, that death has what? Lost its sting. Death has lost its sting because Jesus has overcome death, hell, and the grave. In his victory, we are in it. Amen? And we are proclaiming victory over death. And no matter how vile a wound on earth is, death is the ultimate. Amen? And Jesus has removed the sting of death because we have a promise that this life is not all that there is. And because of that, Jesus was the first one risen from the dead, right? The first fruit, amen, and we will follow. But that sting of death is removed in Christ's victory. That empty tomb stands as a testimony. And if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you stand in that same victory, amen? Not only do you stand in it now, not only do you witness to it now, not only do you, come on now, testify, not only do you testify to your friends and neighbors, but that bears witness, doesn't it, to other people around you. Not only do you do that, but you also have a promise of eternal life. You also have a promise that your tomb will one day be empty too. You see, the Bible says he's the first fruit. He rose from the dead. That tomb was empty, and every one of our loved ones who's in tombs who are dead in Christ, those same tombs will soon be emptied out as well. Amen? So that's why death has lost its sting, and when you are walking, not just living in the Spirit, but when you're walking in the Spirit... You are carrying that salt around the world. You're telling people, this, look, this life's not all that there is. You're taking, the, you're taking that wound. The greatest wound that this world can hit on somebody is the loss of a loved one. 
And you're taking that and you're healing it with the balm of Gilead. You're telling this world, that's all you got because my God overcame you. That's all you got because that's not the end of the story. One day our loved ones who are dead in Christ will rise out of those graves. Amen? And we know from 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13 that we which are alive and remain one day when that when that trumpet sounds, we're going to be caught up together with them. Amen? And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be. Oh, what a great day that is. So that salt, it preserves against corruption. You know how the world corrupts? You know how the world corrupts? You know, it, it depresses. It, it discourages. It, it creates a despondency in you. Oh, this is just the way it is. This is just the way it is. It's the way it's always going to be. No, it's not. This is not how it's always going to be. This life, you know, Solomon says, this life is a vapor. It's here today and gone. It's just a short time period. Oh, Leonard Ravenhill, he said, this is a staging ground for eternity. A staging ground for eternity. What you do here will prepare where and how you spend eternity. This is a staging ground. This is not all there is. But the world, because it's discouraged and depressed and despondent to the spirit of God, it thinks it's all that there is. And when all hope seems lost, then all hope is lost. But thank God, our hope is not on this earth. Our hope is at the throne of heaven. Our hope is at the throne of heaven, isn't it? Our hope is in a resurrected Jesus Christ. That's where our hope is. Our hope's not in a church. It's not in a denomination. Our church isn't in, 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 our hope isn't in something here. It's in someone there. That's where the hope of the earth is. And so you are the salt of the earth. Now, a couple of things that I want to point out as we get into this, um, oh, Matthew Poole, he said that the corruption that's in the world is both manners and doctrine. So as you, as you live in the spirit of God, you are preserving the influence of corrupt manners and corrupt doctrine. Those are the things that the salt fights against. You see, if there were no uh, Christians, let's just say on fire Christians or salty Christians, however, awake Christians, Christians that live in the spirit, however you want to say it, uh, uh, Christians that are actually living out their faith. Let's say that. Um, however you want to say it. But what there, if there were none of those kind of Christians, then corrupt manners and corrupt doctrine would be fully and completely taken root and spread throughout the world. But because there is a remnant of believers, because there are the few, because there are the called, because there are those peculiar people, as Peter says, because of that, because you live holy and set apart, because you don't partake of corrupt doctrine or corrupt manners, you have a preserving influence on the world because you don't watch those movies, you don't laugh at those jokes, you don't talk like that, you don't drink that, you don't do that, you don't go there. And that puts, that what that does is it actually convicts the world because the Spirit of God convicts the world of sin. And as you're not partaking of this rotten world, 
is you're not partaking of it. You are testifying against it. You are putting salt down everywhere you go. Every conversation that you have, every, every relationship that you're involved in, every job that you have, everywhere you go, everywhere you don't go, what you're doing is leaving a trail of salt that testifies that you've got something that this world doesn't have. So you're a salty Christian, salty Christian. This is part of, and don't ever forget that the Holy Spirit will always lead you to be holy. If, if you think you've got the Holy Spirit and he's not causing you to want to be holier today than yesterday, there's a problem. Houston, there's a problem. So one of the things I want you to see is that this preserving influence of the Spirit in our life produces or cultivates a desire to grow in God. That desire is not from this world. That desire comes not from you. It comes from God. And what you're doing is you're allowing God to have his way in you. Amen? Amen. Because you know if it was just us, we'd just be sitting on the couch eating potato chips, watching Wheel of Fortune. But there's something in you that's drawing you to God. And what you're doing is you're being obedient to the Spirit. You're being obedient to he who is calling you to his side. That's what you're doing. The Holy Spirit is a convicting spirit on this world. He convicts the world of sin. And as you are living a salty life, you are allowing him to, to, to use you as a means to draw an opposition, okay, an opposition, an opposing voice to the voice of the world. There are people who don't laugh at dirty jokes. There are people who don't go watch those kinds of movies. There are people who don't, you know, go to the clubs. And there are people who don't do this and they don't do that and they don't do... There are. And look, and don't, be, don't get mistaken. I love Charles Spurgeon. He said, uh, Jesus didn't come to give you better manners. He came to save your soul. Don't confuse the two. But if he saves your soul, what's he going to do? He's going to sanctify you. He's going to sanctify you and he's going to put a desire in your life to want to be preserved to him. Amen? To abstain from the world. And that desire that he puts down on the inside, once you know, God, God saved me, right? Once you know and you get that down in your soul, oh man, that, that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is taking root. You're becoming salty. And what you've got to do is work out what he's working in. Amen. You've got to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. When he tells you don't go there, don't go there. And the more you obey, the more he fills you with the Spirit, the more he empowers you, and the more he uses you as a salty Christian. So there's this, there's this, um, this opposition or opposing view that the Holy Spirit will use you as to set in contrast, listen, to the world. Now, look at the rest of that verse. Look what he said. But what if the salt loses its saltiness? What good is it? What good is it if we name the name of Christ, but we go drink from the toilet like the world? What we've lost that purifying, sanctifying influence that the Holy Spirit puts in our lives. We've been called to be set apart, right? In the world, 
not of the world, means something. You are never called to be a part of it. And until you get that, you will never be as salty as you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be in the world because that's, that's where the salt influences the world. Look, if we're not in the world, we can't preserve it. But if we're of the world, we're not salty. So you've got to be in it, but not a part of it. How do you balance that? The Holy Spirit will direct your steps. Be obedient to him. You don't need to call, you know, I mean, I don't care, but you don't need to call your pastor and be like, should I go watch this movie or that movie? What does the Holy Spirit tell you, you know? I mean, we can run down the list if you want to, but you know, if, if we're born of God, we're supposed to have the Holy Spirit. You shouldn't need somebody over your shoulder saying, you think you should be watching that? You got the Holy Spirit to do that. That's what I love. Uh, I love a, a guy I heard on the radio. He was talking about, you know, raising children. He said, your job, it, it, you know, your job is to not be your child's Holy Spirit. Your job is to teach your child how to listen and obey to the Holy Spirit. That's so vital. We've got to teach our children to respond to the Spirit of God. Amen. Cultivate that. Cultivate that. Little steps at a time. Cultivate it. Well, it's the same way in our own lives. Look, you can't be your neighbor's Holy Spirit. The worst thing in the world is try to put your convictions on someone else. Amen. But there are things that are clear in Scripture that when they're going against that, you got to speak up. So, you know, you might be convicted about watching Wheel of Fortune. They might be convicted about watching Jeopardy. Well, look, don't get in a fight about it. Don't get in a fight about that. But when it comes to the weightier things, then you can get in those waters. Now, the saltiness, the saltiness is vital. If you're going to be, if you are going to be a vessel that God uses on earth, and that's, listen, that's what you're called to be. If you're a Christian, God has called you, saved you, set you apart, sanctified you, filled you with the Holy Ghost. He's done all that so that he can get a witness out of you. So that you can be a witness against this world. And if, so that's why it's very important that we remain salty as Christians. Why? Just so, look, God has a plan and a design. One of the plans and designs is that you become an ambassador for Christ, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You are called to be a, a, an ambassador for Christ. And why? Why are you called to be an ambassador for Christ? Because God is not willing that any should perish. God wants to save souls, guys. God wants to save souls. And, and that's why God wants to put a testimony on your life and set you apart from the world so that you can give a testimony to bring others out of darkness and into light. Out of darkness and into light. But what do we see when a person, when a believer is not salty anymore? They've lost that distinction They've lost that coming out of darkness and into lightness. They've lost that. They've actually blended in into the twilight. See, there's no twilight with God. You look at Genesis. It was, it was night and day. You say there was middle. God, it's holy or profane. It's no holy fane. It's black or or white 
It's circumcised or uncircumcised. It is set apart or it's of the world. That's how God is. There's no middle ground. So God didn't call us to blend into the darkness. He called us to stand out in contrast to it. That's, that is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And when we lose that saltiness, we've lost the value of that testimony. We've lost that preserving influence. So always remember why that is. Now, what good is salt when it doesn't work anymore? How many of you ever had salt that's not salty? I've never had it, but I could imagine it, right? If you try to salt, put salt on a salad or something, I don't know if you eat that kind of food, but if, if it didn't work, you would just keep putting more and more and more on there. So why is this salt not working? What good is it for if it don't do what it's supposed to do? And what, if you think about that, if the salt, and look, you're not salt in and of yourself, it's because of God's work in you. If you're called to be salt and you're not being salt, what's the purpose? This is like an, an illustration I've seen before of somebody talking about being filled with the Spirit. It's, it's like, you know, a cup of water, right, that God fills up. God fills you with the Spirit. But if you never take what you have and pour it out into other people's lives, you're never going to empty, right? You're never going to empty. The Bible says that the liberal soul is made fat, not the stingy soul, the liberal soul. That means the, the soul that is ready, willing, and able to pour out and pour into other people's lives. I'm not talking about with your billfold. I'm talking about from the Spirit of God. I'm talking about what you know about God. You know what you know for a reason. You know, you go here. I mean, you know some stuff about God. You should be pouring it into other people's lives. That's why. And so, so many people, they get stuck, and they're like, well... I just don't feel like I used to feel anymore. I don't feel useful for the kingdom. I don't feel like I'm growing anymore. When was the last time you shared your faith? And they're like, maybe a year, maybe a year and a half. There's your problem. I remember talking to somebody one time and they, you know, I'm just struggling. I'm, 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 I feel like I'm burned out. God's not operating in my life. I'm not excited about the things of God anymore. I just feel like I'm just dying spiritually. I said, well, when was the last time you did what you're supposed to do? Well, what was that? When was the last time you shared your faith? When was the last time you told someone else that Jesus loved them and that they were sinners and on their way to hell? But Jesus paid for their sins on the cross and told them about his death, burial, and resurrection, and that we're saved by faith in that, what he did on the cross. So when was the last time you did that? Never. Well, there's your problem. And you know what? The person that I talked to like that, they went out that week, shared their faith, and they came back. They were on cloud nine. They came back because you cannot testify you cannot share your faith and not have the holy spirit fill you you cannot god will minister to you that which your soul desperately needs that river of life but we've got to open our mouths and speak it out we've got to pour out into other people's lives that which we have god never designed us to just you know sit in one room somewhere secluded from the world and study 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 he pours out 
into us so that we'll in turn go and pour out into the world. I shared a quote this week. Um, I don't know if you remember this past Sunday. Maybe you were listening. But um, one minister said that, you know, there's not four Gospels. There's five. He said there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you. And most people will never read the first four. But the fifth one, they read it every day. I'm just having a bad day. They're reading that Gospel. What Gospel are you putting out there, right? They reading it. And so that's why, it's, and you might say, well, well what a, that's why it's so important to stay connected to the vine. John 15. That's why John 15 is so vital for your Christian health. If you're not connected to the vine, if you're not abiding in the vine, the fruit of the Spirit's not flowing through you. And listen, you can't live a Christian life on your own. You cannot be salty on your own. You're about to talk about the light of the world. You don't have it apart from God. You don't have it apart from the vine. So if we're not connected to the vine, if we're not abiding in the vine and the fruit is not flowing through us, then it's not going to work. We, we have limitations. I don't know about you, but my patience wears out real quick. But when the fruit of the Spirit, when I'm abiding in the vine and the fruit of the Spirit's there, what? Patience. Long-suffering gentleness those things are there that's not natural why because it's the fruit of the spirit so this is one of those things that we've got to grow in um, as as we go deeper in the lord we're called to live a life uh, so opposite of the corrupt world that we put a purifying and preserving influence on it what a challenge do we live a life in such stark contrast to the world that we put a purifying and preserving influence on it. Do they stand back and go, wow, I know nobody else would do that, but he, they would, right? Do you live in that kind of a contrast from the world? That's, that's salt. That's salt. So saltless salt doesn't work. It's cast out. It's trodden under. Look back in verse number 13. If the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. See, it's, 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 a, uh, it's a neat kind of principle there. How many of y'all remember that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And we say it in our day and time like um, one bad apple spoils the, the whole bunch. You know, and, and sometimes you can have bad influences on your life. But what he's saying about the salt is even if you're bad salt, you can't just get around good salt and then become good. See, it has to come. It has to be internally. You can have the you can read the best books, listen to the best sermons and still not live for God. It has to it, it has to be ignited from within. You have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit from within. You have to submit to his will and his desires and operate in that from within. Nobody can do it for you. You can put a hundred salty Christians around you, and they may give you good habits, they may, but there has to come a time when you go down on your knees your own self, and you get right with the Lord your own self, and you say, yes, Lord, yourself. And until then, you'll never become salty. 
And so he's saying, you know, if you put all this salt around it, it's still not going to work. It has to come from within. This desire to have God operating in your life, it has to come from within. Amen? Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's just coming out, right? Yep. Amen. It's like that living water, isn't it? It's like that living water. Yeah, that's a good point. It's when God touches you, you become like a salt mine. It's just coming out. You don't have to work at it, do you? You just, it, when, when you get on fire for God, people think you're weird. People think you're weird. They think you're weird if you go to church on Wednesday night. Especially, you know, you go to church on Sunday night, Monday night, you know. Look, look at our generation. They even think you're weird if you go on Sunday morning, you know. Just watch it on Facebook. They think you're weird. Why? Why? Because God has made you to be set apart. God has made you to be a salt mine. Everything that you do as you get on fire for God, everything you do is in contrast to the corrupt world around you. It's a, it's a, great, a great principle that the Lord has and he tells us about here. A believer who is no longer holy, a believer who is no longer holy, no longer passionately pursuing God is growing less salty by the day. Amen. It sure is. It, uh, there is such a thing as, salt, as a salt substitute. There is. And, and, and we're going to get into the light right now. And, and there is a false light. There's the real and there's the false. And salt is the same way. Salt is that, that influence on others. But, you know, people, how many of y'all know there's, there is uh, such a thing as people who, you know, you may dress a certain way because you think that that's how to be holy, but on the inside, completely tearing people down. On the inside, completely unsatisfied with God. You know what I'm saying? Some people have an outward manifestation of what they think holiness is, but inwardly, as the Lord says, they're ravening wolves. Why are you going to say that about people? The Lord said it about people. Just being like him. That's what I'm supposed to be. What would Jesus do? call them ravening wolves so one of the things that's a good point though is salt substitute is we've got to make sure that it is the lord convicting us and leading us to live and operate the way that we do and not just going through the what there you go not just going through the motions how many of you know that you can put it on coast right you can put it on coast. You can put it on. You can put it in neutral. You can shut the engine off and coast. You can leave. You can leave your motor in idle position. But that is the first step. That's the first step to backsliding. Idle. It's the first step. So, and I've I've often heard it said before that you know sin 
you know, whatever you think, somebody goes to get drunk, somebody does this, somebody does that, whatever. Sin is not the first step of backsliding. The first step of backsliding is going idle. It's not passionately pursuing God. It's, it's right? It's, it's, well, I know they're having Bible study, but, I, you know, I got stuff I got to do. It's growing just a little idle, just a little, and then there's a little more and a little more. I've heard a pastor say that. He said the first step to, to backsliding is getting in that idle position. So what do we do? We pursue God. We pursue God. Something comes between me and God, it's got to go. I got to cultivate this thing with God because God saved me. Amen? We're going to honor God. We're going to live for God. He's going to get all that he needs out of us, right? Come on, we're not going to withhold ourselves from him. If he saved you, it's for a purpose. Don't, don't block what God's trying to do in your life. He bought you with a price. The blood of Jesus Christ, that sinless blood that was shed, shed for you. He gave it for you. So don't withhold yourself from him. Give yourself wholly and completely to him, to his way. Then you'll become salty, right, from the inside, not substituting it. That's a good, very good point. Let's, let's go into this light a little bit. Um, go, go into, um, look at verse number 14. It said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now, why is that so important? Well, the Lord says that you're the light of the world. He also said he's the light of the world, right? Y'all remember where that was? Where was it? John, let's go over there. John chapter number eight. Let's go over there and look at it. You are the light of the world. How? The Lord is telling you that you are the light of the world. Look at verse number 12. John chapter eight, verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have, somebody say have, thank y'all, but shall have the light of life. You see, the light, when Jesus says you are the light of the world, it is because and only because he's in you. It is because and only because you are connected to him. It is he in you. So as he physically is in heaven right now, right? At the throne. As he physically is there, he spiritually is here in you and in me. And that light in us is the light of the world. Because we are crucified with Christ and we no longer live, but he lives in us, right? Yet not I, but Christ, what? Lives in me. See, the light of the world, I am the light of the world, is in you. And when you live a crucified life, that light is shining out into the world. What is it doing? It is calling people to repent of their sins. It is calling people to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. 
that's what that light does. It, it shines in the darkness. It tells people there's hope. It tells people this life is not all that there is. It tells people that, look, unless you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will die in your sins and spend eternity in hell. But there is light. There's a way out. There's hope. There's healing. There's God. There's his mercy. And so whenever the Lord says you are the light of the world, it is his influence or him in you shining out. And notice what he said behind that. He said, you know, a city on a hill cannot be hid. If God, if God is the one stirring in you, everybody's going to see it. In other words, you don't have to walk around telling everybody you're a Christian. You don't. They should know it by the fruit of your life and the testimony that you share. You should never be an undercover Christian unless you live in a persecuted country, right? Like China or Iran. Here in America, here in America, God forbid that we live undercover Christian lives. We should let the light of the gospel shine through us. We should be different, set apart. Amen? And, and that light should be bringing people out of darkness. That's what it should be doing. So one of the things that I wanted to get into, though, is that there's also a false light. There's a false light. But this light of the world concept, it, there, it's, all throughout, it's all throughout the epistles, all throughout Scripture. Um, but let's talk, about, let's talk about the false light for a second. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll go down to verse number 13. Now, 2 Corinthians 11 is, is an important chapter um, because Paul is dealing with false gospel, people bringing in a false Jesus. False Jesus, that kind of gospel, it's all throughout the world. You know the true from the false because the, the true uh, is true to the word. Okay? The true is true to the word of God. That's how you know. Um, we're supposed to test or try every spirit. No matter what somebody says, we're supposed to weigh it. We're supposed to weigh it through the word of God. This is our plumb line. Amen. Um, you also have the gift of discernment. You can tell usually right away from that gift of discernment, but then you weigh everything. Even, even what you think you know, you weigh it through this because we can be deceived sometimes. So watch this. It says in, um, in verse number 13. Now, all of this is based off of um, whenever, the, well, look at verse number three. Paul said that he feared lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through subtly so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Isn't the gospel simple? And people just keep jamming it up with stuff that's not supposed to be there. There's a simplicity that's in Christ. And he said, I'm, I fear that you move off of the simplicity. Do you know, some people, it's just not enough to have the simple gospel. Some people, it's just not enough. I was talking to somebody last week. It's, it's just not enough for me. You're not saved then. The gospel's not enough. There's a problem. The simplicity of Christ is the foundation of our faith. It is Christ alone, right? Faith alone. He did it. That's the simplicity of it. And he said, I fear 
Look what he said. I fear that if he that comes preaches another Jesus whom we've not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you've not received, or another gospel which you've not accepted, you might well bear with him. What is he saying? I fear that somebody's going to move you off the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus. You're going to listen to another Jesus. What's that? What's another Jesus? It's a, it's a Jesus that is not of the Bible. It's a Jesus who, as maybe um, Jehovah's Witness will say, is an angel or a spirit. It's a Jesus who maybe a Mormon would say is one of many gods and the brother of Lucifer. It's, you know, as, as people have all these kinds of things, they jam in there, they bring in a different Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. And so he's saying, I fear that you're going to be moved off of that. Now, this whole chapter is a part of that. He said, I'm fearing that you're going to hear a different Jesus and you're going to receive a different spirit with it. How many of you ever tried to talk to somebody involved in a cult? There's a spirit on them. It's like sometimes talking to the door. And only the spirit of God can break that hardness off. And when you have the Holy Ghost, you can do it through God. You can just do it. You, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the ability. God can use you to do it. But you've got to operate in the Spirit. Otherwise, it's like talking to a door sometimes. So here's the deal, though. He said, all this, I'm fearing you're going you're gonna to hear a different Jesus. You're going to receive this hard spirit. You're going to listen to a different gospel. And look, look at this. This is so important. Look at verse number 13. He said, because he's talking about all of it. He said, for such are false apostles. Just because somebody says they're apostle don't mean they're right with God. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now listen to this. And no marvel, no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light you see the 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 devil himself masquerades as an angel of light he comes with a what then a false light he comes with a false light this is why it's so important that you have the light of god in you you have the light of god in you and the way that you know is by being obedient to that old gospel that old gospel. You grab hold of it and don't let anybody move you off the simplicity of Christ. Don't let anybody move you off the death, burial, and resurrection of God the Son. God manifests in the flesh that he really did live here on earth, that he really did die, that he really was sinless, that he never became sin, that he was just, you know, he died on the cross for sin. Not in sin, for sin. Important distinction when you combat you know word of faith heresy he died for sin not in sin in in one in that he physically bodily rose from the dead on the third day he said he said you right you're gonna tear down this temple but in three days i will what i will raise it up he said we spent over 40 years building this temple what you mean you're gonna do it in three days but the bible clarified the bible said but he was talking about the temple of his what body body bodily resurrection okay bodily resurrection that's the simplicity of christ and what is it what is it 
that we're saved by faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. He did it all. The Sabbath is a picture of salvation. That God did it, we rest in it. We just observe it. We believe it. We hold on to it. We cherish it. We don't let anybody touch it. That's the light. That's the light. As you contend for the faith, the light of God is shining through you. The only hope that anybody has is that they hear the true gospel. And God is going to use you to put it in their heart. God's going to use you. That's the plan. That's God's plan is to put it in you. And then you in turn not fall asleep, but allow the light of God to shine through you into other people's lives. That's the plan. And too many of us, too many of us are on the sidelines. Too many of us are flipping channels, watching Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune when souls are at stake. And so you might say, well, how do I do this? How do I? One step at a time. Just take that. You don't have to take 15. It's the same way you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. You can't, you can't, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew. That's what. He used to say, but go one step at a time. Go with the Lord. He, listen, he will direct your steps. He will direct your steps. He will. He'll show you the path to walk on. That's, that is the beauty of the gospel. Now let's talk, let's, let's go a little bit deeper on this false light just a tad because we talked about the devil. Um, let me show you something in Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter number 14. Go back to Psalm Go a little bit to Isaiah chapter 14. This is why, and the reason that we're doing this is because it's, it's, it's vitally important that we have the light of God because there's a false light in the world. And everything that is not of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Everything that is not of God manifests in the flesh. Everything that is not of the simplicity of our gospel, it is a false light. It is a false light. The, 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 every, um, every worldly influence is a false light. And so that's why it's so important that you hold it. Now watch this. In, in Isaiah 14, look at verse number 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of of the morning how art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations for thou hast said in thine heart i will ascend into heaven i will exalt my throne above the stars of god i will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north i will ascend above the heights of the clouds i will be like the most high so a couple of things that i want to point out number one he, the, the devil had been cast down to the earth. It was a serpent in the garden. He's been cast down to the earth. He, he was the one tempting the Lord Jesus in the desert for 40 days. Remember that? After 40 days. And, and watch. His name, Lucifer, in Latin, that's a Latin word, it means light bearer. That's what it means. It means he brings light, but it's not God's light. So anything that is not of God is of the light bearer. And so the way that you know the difference is to run everything through God's word. 
That's why it's so important to know God's word. This is why you got to have Bible study. It's why you got to know the word of God so that you won't be deceived. This is why you've got to know that truth. Hold on to it. Cherish it. Build on it. Grow in it. Right? Abide in it. Live in it. Walk in it. And, and one of the things I want to show you, though, he said he was going to be like the most high. God said, I am God alone, and beside me there is what? No other. There's only one God. Don't, don't let somebody lie to you. There's only one God. There is, and there is none, he said, beside him. That came from the mouth of God himself. He said, I am God alone, and beside me there is none. No other. And yet, what you'll hear in the world, right, is you need to have a Christ consciousness, right? Awaken to the fact that you are God. You're, we're all little gods. That's word of faith. Christ consciousness is Christian science, metaphysics, all kinds of new age. What is yoga? It's yoking yourself with the light of this world, not the light of God. It's awakening to the fact that there's good in you, that you're tapping into the wrong light. Everything that you're doing apart from those things is going in opposition to this. There's only one light, and that's Jesus Christ. And if he's in you, then he makes you the light of the world. Amen? As you abide in he and he in you, you are the light of the world. And everything else is a false light from the light bearer, Lucifer. That's why I wanted to bring you there because every other thing on earth comes from him. It's all in a design to be like God. I went through all those, I went through, I went through three uh, basically cults, Jehovah's Witness. What's the lie? We're all the same. Mormons, what's the lie? We're all gods. We're all going to get our own planet. We're all going to be God over a planet. We're all this. God was, God was just like us one day. So what is the lie? You're going to be, I mean, how clear cut is that? You're going to be like the most high. I mean, that's verbatim what Lucifer said. What about word of faith? We're all little gods. We're all little gods. We just got a big, uh, he's got the big G, we're little G, but we're all, you know, we're all God. What is that? That's like the most high. And that's exactly what got Lucifer de-plucked uh, out from heaven, dethroned from heaven. And one of the things that I want you to see, though, is that, look at verse 15. Watch. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Whoa. You wanted to be exalted? You want to be like God? You want to be like God? And he said, yet you're going to go to hell. That is the cost for that desire. We should be in awe of God, worshipers of God, servants of God, right? And a desire in us that is to be equal to God is not right. So um, let's continue in this just a little bit further. If you will, turn back with me to Ephesians chapter number five. Ephesians chapter number five. 
Don't know that we're going to be able to get all this tonight. I was hoping that we would, but we'll see. So Ephesians chapter number five, um, even from a distance, people should be able to see the light of God in you. you. The light of God in you should be contrasted to the world, even from a distance, right? This means you don't necessarily have to have a bumper sticker on your car. The light of God should be seen in the way that you live. The way that you live. Now, the, the gospel also needs words. You also have to testify. The death, burial, and resurrection. Look, if, if, if the disciples would have never spoken the gospel, they would have never died. They would never become martyred. It's only because they refused to not preach the name of Jesus. They were martyred. And so you have to use those words, but your life, the life that you live in conjunction with the words that you say becomes a testimony or salt or light for this world. Now watch what it says in Ephesians 5 in verse, uh, let's, let's start with verse number 7. Because he's talking about darkness, right? Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Everybody else is doing it. Why can't I? I love, y'all know I love Leonard Ravenhill. He, he was talking to some ministers one time and he said, hey, if you want to be holy, you want to be used of God, there's something you got to figure out. Everybody else may be able to do something, but you may not. What does that mean? You better check with the Holy Spirit. You better not do nothing without the Holy Spirit, listen, leading you. Other people may be able to go do this, may be able to go do that, but God may be telling you to spend your Friday night in prayer. Are you willing to pay the cost? Because a lot of times people just aren't willing to pay the cost to get that anointing, to set themselves apart, to be made holy. Some people just aren't willing. But look, if, if you're thirsty, he said, if you're thirsty, what did he say? All who are thirsty, what? Come. And what? And drink. If you got a desire, you want to go deeper in God, he's got deeper waters for you. You're as deep in God as you want to be. And if you want to get deeper, he's ready. Listen, he is ready, willing, and able to take you deeper than you've ever been. You're not going to exhaust God. You got to get to that point where you're, you're, you know, some of us are, are ankle deep. Some of us just got our toes in the water, but some of us are ankle deep. We just need to get in there. We just need to fully and completely submit and surrender. Say, okay, I'm tired of, you know, having some light and some darkness and some imitation, some salt substitute. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of straddling the fence. I'm tired of just living with one foot in the water. I'm just jumping in. I'm just letting go of the world. I'm letting go of the world, and, Lord, I'm just going to grab hold of you. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? So he said, Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for you were sometimes darkness. See, and that, that's kind of corroborating what I said about uh, Matthew 5. The only light you have in you is Jesus. It's when, you, when you're born again, when the Spirit of God's in you, then you got that light that he is. So you were sometimes darkness, but now, on this side of the cross, now are you light in the Lord. Did he end right there? No, there's a little bit more to that verse. There's a little bit more meat on the bone. 
Let's chew on it. What's he say? You're the light of the world. Walk as children of the light. Walk, as Peter, as Peter said, walk worthy of your calling. He's called you. He's saved you. He's sanctified you. He's set you apart. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's put gifts within you, that anointing upon you. And he's called you to walk worthy of the work that he's done. So you didn't have to do anything to get any of that. You didn't earn the Holy Spirit. You didn't earn the anointing. You didn't earn salvation. You didn't earn sanctification. You don't earn wisdom. You didn't earn any of that. Go back and read 1 Corinthians 1.30. It says, God made Jesus unto us. Wisdom, sanctification, our redemption. He made Jesus those things to us. You don't have to do anything for them. You receive them. And then you've got a charge or a call on your life to walk in that light. He's given it to you. He's done it all. You receive it and not just sit, but then walk, right? Be, listen, be who he's called you to be. Walk in his light, in his power. He will guide your path. He will, he will equip you to do whatever is in front of you. Gideon didn't think he could take down all those Midianites, and God whittled them down to how many? 300. God whittled them down. You see, in our mind, look, Lord, we are losing folks. We can't win the battle unless we got a big army, Lord. God said, that's because the battle don't belong to you, Gideon. I'm learning you something. He whittled them down to where they didn't, they, they knew if there was going to be a victory, it had to come from God. That's being weak in the flesh, but strong in the spirit. And that principle is taught all throughout scripture. Weak in the flesh, strong in the spirit. What you think? You're going to go take a, a five rocks and go slay Goliath? How are you going to tell me that that's trusting in your flesh? That's trusting in the Spirit of God. All throughout Scripture, it's all taught throughout. It is resisting the arm of flesh and depending on the arm of God. And so I want you to know that whatever is in front of you, if it's in front of you, God will equip you for the battle. But you've got to not rely on yourself. You've got to trust in the Lord who does the equipping, who does the sanctifying, who does the purifying, who will put the light of God in you and shine through you and God has called you child of God to walk as children of light that means walk a different path than the world doesn't it walk worthy of the calling that you have walk worthy of the calling that you have all right well I don't know that we're going to get to the let your light so shine before men because I don't want to do lip service to it. Um, turn back over to Matthew 5, and we'll just close there. Unless you got something you want to share. You see, whenever God calls us to walk as children of the light, we've got to understand sometimes, we've got to take our eyes off ourselves. You know, we, you sit in here, you're going to hear it. Uh, I pray to God you hear it. The crucified life. It is not about us. And you see, it's in our immaturity.
maturity, we focus everything on us. Well, what about, what about, what about, what about? And you see, if we walk as children of the light, we got it. We walking in it. What are we doing? We're helping other people see the way home. We're helping other people see the way to the Lord. We're giving other people that light of God to walk in to find the cross of salvation. You see, it, 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 takes the, it takes the focus of our lives off of us because when we're walking as children of the light, what are we doing? We are, we are giving light for other people to walk in. You ever been out in the woods somewhere and you was in darkness and you saw a light way off in the distance? You know what it was, but you started walking to it. Must be somebody or something there. This world has got no hope. The, 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 the longer that the Lord tarries, the more chaotic it's getting. As the, the spirit of the Antichrist, you know, begins to stir the nations in disarray and division, and you see that world peace, you know, that effort, that call for it to go out, you see it? That's, that's why it's so imperative that we walk as children of the light because this world is in darkness. And they need, they need us to walk as children of light. So closing here in Matthew 5, um, let's look at verse number 14. It said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth, it giveth light unto all that are in the house look that is our testimony that's the that is the the holy spirit testifying through you that's what it is you you can't you cannot say i've got i've got god's plan for this world i've got it and then hide it you see God never called us to be the us for and no more. God never called us to just have a group. He called us to go out. Why did he give the Holy Spirit? Go back and read it. Why? So that you'll be my witnesses. Where? Judea, Samaria, everywhere. To the uttermost parts of the world. You, what was it? So that you can go perform? No. No. So that you can dance? No. So you can sing? No. So that you'll be my witness. So that you'll be my witness out there. That's why. That's why he equips us. That's why he gives those gifts. That's why. So that you don't put that light under a bushel, but you have that out there. Amen? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Any questions or comments before we close?